Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of allergic rhinitis from the ear, nose, and throat section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 15-year-old boy presents with clear fluid discharge from his nose for two days duration. He also reports having episodes of sneezing, feelings of congestion, and a cough. His symptoms only occur during the spring months and finds it difficult to walk outside without exacerbating his symptoms. On nasal exam, the mucosa and turbinates appear edematous. This patient was diagnosed with allergic rhinitis. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick introduction, the definition of allergic rhinitis is inflammation of the mucosa of the nasal passages. As far as rhinitis types, the two major ones to know is allergic rhinitis and non-allergic rhinitis. Etiologies of non-allergic rhinitis include vasomotor, hormonal, drug-induced, occupational, secondary to irritant exposure, and pregnancy. Moving on to epidemiology, as far as incidence, allergic rhinitis is the most common form of rhinitis. The etiology of allergic rhinitis is aeroallergens. As far as the pathogenesis, know that aeroallergens lead to an IgE type 1 hypersensitivity and mast cell degranulation. Associated conditions with allergic rhinitis include sinusitis, asthma, atopic dermatitis, allergic conjunctivitis, and nasal polyps. As far as the presentation of allergic rhinitis, symptoms include sneezing, congestion, rhinorrhea, and nasal itching. As far as studies, making the diagnosis of allergic rhinitis is a clinical diagnosis. However, allergic skin testing can confirm that the patient has an allergy to the aeroallergen, however, is not necessary for the diagnosis. The differential diagnosis for allergic rhinitis is non-allergic rhinitis, which again can be drug-induced rhinitis, occupational rhinitis, or atrophic rhinitis. The differentiating factors between drug-induced rhinitis and allergic rhinitis are that non-allergic rhinitis patients will have an onset after starting the inciting medication, for example, an angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitor or an ACE inhibitor and phosphodiesterase-5 inhibitors. The differentiating factors between occupational rhinitis and allergic rhinitis is that occupational rhinitis is caused by allergens or irritants in the workplace. Finally, the differentiating factors between atrophic rhinitis and allergic rhinitis is that atrophic rhinitis is seen in older patients who had many sinus and nasal surgeries. Now, let's talk about the treatment of allergic rhinitis, which can be conservative or medical. Conservative treatment includes allergen avoidance, which is indicated as a component of the management of rhinitis. Medical management includes glucocorticoid nasal sprays, which is indicated as the first-line treatment for persistent or moderate to severe allergic rhinitis. Medications include budesonide and fluticasone. Complications of allergic rhinitis include respiratory tract infections. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 23-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for a runny nose, sneezing, and coughing that has persisted for a few months. He denies feeling weak or tired, but states that his symptoms have disrupted his everyday life. The patient has had no significant past medical history. He drinks alcohol occasionally on the weekends. His temperature is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 124 over 88 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 80 per minute. Respirations are 13 per minute. And oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Physical exam reveals a healthy young man who is repetitively blowing his nose. Percussion of his sinuses elicits no symptoms. Inspection of the patient's oropharynx is unremarkable. Which of the following is the best next step in management? And the choices are 1. Amoxicillin 2. Diphenhydramine 3. Intranasal saline 4. Intranasal steroid and 5. Loratadine 
the correct answer to this question is for intranasal steroid. So this patient is presenting with symptoms of rhinitis, that is rhinorrhea and sneezing, for which the best initial step in management is intranasal steroids. To quickly review, the best initial step in management of rhinitis is avoidance of the allergen. If this fails, an intranasal antihistamine or intranasal glucocorticoid or both can be used in severe cases. More severe cases can be managed with non-sedating antihistamines such as loratadine, cetirizine, or fexofenadine. Other therapies consist of chromaline sodium and nidocromil, which are mast cell stabilizers, as well as decongestants such as alpha-1 agonists that can lead to tachyphylaxis and rebound symptoms, and antibiotics can also be used if secondary infection occurs. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, amoxicillin is appropriate management of sinusitis, which is an acute sinus infection, which would present with similar symptoms in addition to pressure and tenderness over the sinuses. Answer 2, diphenhydramine would be an appropriate management if intranasal steroids and non-sedating antihistamines failed. Answer 3, intranasal saline could irrigate and remove particles that cause an allergic reaction in allergic rhinitis. However, the severity of this patient's symptoms and the possibility that this is non-allergic rhinitis makes this a less optimal intervention. Finally, answer 5, loratadine is a non-sedating antihistamine that does not cross the blood-brain barrier and is appropriate management if intranasal steroids slash antihistamines fail. To leave you with the bullet summary, the best initial step in management for rhinitis is an intranasal antihistamine or intranasal glucocorticoid. Moving on to the next question. A 20-year-old female presents to your clinic for evaluation. She complains of months of daily rhinorrhea, which she describes as watery and clear, as well as nasal congestion bilaterally. In addition, she reports frequent watery and itchy eyes, as well as daily sneezing. Her temperature is 100.1 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.8 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 120 over 70 millimeters of mercury, pulse is 70 per minute, and respirations are 15 per minute. On exam, you note edematous, boggy turbinates with watery rhinorrhea. Which of the following is a treatment for the patient's condition? And the choices are 1. Intravenous penicillin, 2. Oral amoxicillin, 3. Oral acetaminophen, 4. Intranasal fluticasone, and 5. Intravenous vancomycin. The correct answer to this question is for intranasal fluticasone. So the patient's clinical presentation is most consistent with allergic rhinitis. Intranasal fluticasone is a treatment option. To quickly review, allergic rhinitis is characterized by inflammation of the nasal mucosa caused by an allergic response to environmental allergens. Common symptoms include nasal congestion, watery rhinorrhea, sneezing, and watery eyes. Symptoms are often seasonal, corresponding to seasonal allergens, or are associated with exposure to other environmental allergens such as pets. Sewer and Scandale discuss various treatment options for allergic rhinitis. They suggest nasal saline irrigation, intranasal corticosteroids, oral antihistamines, decongestants, and leukotriene receptor antagonists, among other treatments. In addition, avoidance of allergen triggers as well as immunotherapy are commonly used in treating this common condition. Antibiotics are not indicated for treatment. Quillen and Feller discuss the diagnosis of allergic and non-allergic rhinitis. They suggest a thorough history and physical examination are helpful in distinguishing these two conditions, particularly asking questions regarding potential environmental triggers. It is important to make the distinction between the two, as the treatment for allergic rhinitis may not be as effective in patients with non-allergic rhinitis. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, intravenous penicillin, answer 2, oral amoxicillin, answer 3, oral acetaminophen, and 5, intravenous vancomycin are all incorrect, as none of these are treatments for allergic rhinitis. And moving on to the final question, 
A 35-year-old woman presents to an outpatient clinic during winter for persistent rhinorrhea. She states it is persistent and seems to be worse when she goes outside. Otherwise, she states she is generally healthy and only has a history of constipation. Her temperature is 98.7 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.1 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 144 over 91 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 82 per minute. Respirations are 14 per minute. And oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Nasal sputum cytology reveals eosinophilia and bacchiturbinates. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the choices are 1. Cold weather. 2. Coronavirus. 3. Environmental allergen. 4. Staphylococcus aureus. And 5. Streptococcus pneumonia. The correct answer to this question is 3. Environmental allergen. So this patient is presenting with rhinorrhea when outside with nasal eosinophilia and boggy turbinates suggesting a diagnosis of allergic rhinitis from an environmental allergen. To quickly review, allergic rhinitis presents with rhinorrhea and itchy-slash-watery eyes when an individual is exposed to an irritating environmental allergen. The diagnosis is supported when the symptoms happen only during a certain exposure, such as being outside. The finding of nasal eosinophilia is sensitive for allergic rhinitis but is not specific. Other causes of nasal eosinophilia include nasal polyps and a condition known as non-allergic rhinitis with eosinophilia. Other common causes of rhinitis, such as infection and vasomotor rhinitis, do not demonstrate nasal eosinophilia. The treatment of allergic rhinitis is allergen avoidance and intranasal steroids. Other initial measures include intranasal antihistamines and alpha-1 agonists. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, cold weather can cause vasodilation of vessels in the nose and cause rhinorrhea that is not necessarily infectious or allergic. This is a diagnosis of exclusion and would be supported if the patient only had rhinorrhea when in the cold. Answer 2, coronavirus and rhinovirus are common causes of the cold, which presents with a runny nose, cough, and mild fever. This condition resolves on its own. Answer 4. Staphylococcus aureus is a common infectious agent for many dermatologic infections. A sty, otherwise known as a hordeolum, may present with a painful nodule on the eyelid that usually drains spontaneously with a warm compress. Finally, answer 5. Streptococcus pneumonia is incorrect, as streptococcus pneumonia, haemophilus influenza, and moraxella cateralis are common causes of sinusitis, which present with a fever, nasal pressure, and drainage. The treatment involves saline rinses, nasal decongestions, and a refractory antibiotic such as amoxicillin clavulanate. To leave you with a bullet summary, allergic rhinitis presents with a runny nose and itchy eyes when exposed to environmental triggers. That's all for this review about allergic rhinitis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.